Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones Season 8. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. But, unfortunately, there is a meteor heading for the popular culture, and it's the end of Game of Thrones. So I don't even think we could avoid it if we wanted to. Obviously, Mango has been uh, dutifully watching the entire series in its final year in order to, to get the full season finale experience. Um, and I regret it 100%. Have... This is your fault, buddy. <laughs> Do you? You did this to me! <laughs> no. Uh, what is it, like 78 hours or something? 73. Content, I guess. Well, I guess it might be 78 with the extra minutes on the end. Uh, like the later seasons were a little bit longer. but uh, Or the, the individual episodes, not obviously the number of episodes. Because there weren't but enough yes. of them. So uh, for the last 10 years, the culture has been absolutely dominated by Game of Thrones. It has been the biggest show, not actually for all of it, some of it has been The Walking Dead, but it's certainly the biggest show now, um, breaking all kinds of like crazy records with the finale and everything like that. Unfortunately, the finale has broken some other records, which is to say that people really hated it. Uh, number of hearts. Yeah, it's currently sitting at like 4.4... On IMDb, many, much of which I just have to assume are like salty one-star reviews or whatever. Um, but uh, but let's just say the series finale didn't go over that well. Uh, but we're here to talk about it today. Yeah, um, and there will be spoilers for all of Game of Thrones, possibly some of the books as well, things that weren't in the show. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we'll talk about that. But, but before we get too deep into that... Um, uh, I wanted to, so the records that it broke. I saw something that said that like it had like 19.3 million viewers for the uh, for the finale, and then somebody mm-hmm. posted that like Frasier had like a 60 million viewer finale. So like maybe it's not as big as we all think it is. Like it definitely dominates like our culture, right? Like the nerdish culture stuff. But I don't know if it if it penetrates as much into the mainstream as maybe we think it does. Uh, I've seen some conflicting information on this. Part of it is just that TV viewership has gone down a True. ton with like streaming and stuff like that. <laughs> and piracy, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. And so I think it's a little bit harder to kind of like track it. But in the modern era, you know, 19.3 million people is like, you know, yeah. cataclysmic, huge numbers. It's, it, it is a lot. Yeah. I won't say it's not. Um, and everybody, knows about like my dad called me and asked me what i thought about the finale of game of thrones and my dad is not the type of person who cares about any of that he's like yeah i heard the sports guy talking about it on the radio i was like (laughs) (laughs) okay wow yeah um so you know it definitely does have 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 that impact but uh i guess with that we will put the official spoiler tag here so if you want to go be disappointed go watch game of thrones um Yikes! What a way to start it, though. (laughs) Am I lying? Is it not? I mean, we're we're, we are so we're past the spoiler tag, so we're both in the same spot, right? Like this was a really disappointing end, yes, uh, to to the series. I imagine that we're going to come at this from fairly different angles in the specifics, but I think the overall sentiment, the overall sentiment that I have heard from basically everyone, is the exact same. The writer stopped caring. And they rushed through everything, and that just ruined the whole show, essentially, um, in the last couple of seasons. 
Uh, a very common sentiment that I have heard and that hits really close to home to me because this describes me perfectly are kind of like the apologists who are coming around to being like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, there is a lot that I was willing to forgive about Game of Thrones just because I assume, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, it's hard. This is hard work. And I get that it's not going to be perfect and I'm okay with that. And I'm willing to kind of like be forgiving, but the more that's kind of come out and the more that we've seen and the fact that there is no, you know what I mean? Like pot at the end of this rainbow, there is no landing. They're not interested in sticking it. They're not interested in caring really. Um, you know, that has soured not just this season, but my thoughts on uh, my my thoughts on the, the series as a whole. We're not here to talk about the series as a whole. We're here to talk about the season, the series finale, um, which is aptly called the Iron Throne. Um, but is that like a fair assessment of things? You think I'm like nailing like, you know, how Twitter feels about Game of Thrones? Yeah. Um, you know, like. Like I said, when, when my dad described to me what the sportsman on the radio thought of the Game of Thrones finale, it's basically that. Um, uh, I, in terms of your, your other point about being soured on the whole thing, I think that that's like a more common thing than we talk than we, we normally talk about. And I think that's like why a lot of like you get like these split opinions on things. Um, yeah. Where if somebody starts to tumble, they start, like, looking backwards and finding things they don't like. We've talked about this before, right? Like, I think this is largely what happens with, like, The Last Jedi. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, and a lot of these other movies that have, like, vitriolic hate bases um, that are opposed to the fan bases, right? That, that you know, you notice when it, when it starts to fall, you start nitpicking apart the other things that didn't work. And the things that you previously were willing to forgive just all mm. come out in kind of like the cavalcade of criticism. But I do think it is particularly bad here because you can um, you can feel it kind of. Like you can feel it seeping out of the episodes. Although I might say that I am more willing to attribute this to like, you know, D&D – D and D were always hacks. Like I noticed the 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 the, the fall off happen pretty sharply after they got off the book material, and mm. um, I think somebody D and D being Dan uh, and Dave, the, the showrunners on the show. Yes, and um, <laughs> not Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons yes, another which, frequent you know topic for yeah, no, you're some absolutely right. <laughs> um, That's actually been funny to see because everybody keeps calling it D and D, and like the occasional comment that's like. What it does? Are you talking about like tropes that like Dungeons? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what did Wizards do now? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, you know, I I just think that maybe they were never that good in the first place, and they were re- really carried by the George R. R. Martin writing. Um, in a yeah, lot of ways. I, I've definitely heard that. Another thing that someone pointed out that I think is very apt, to be honest with you, is that George R.R. R. Martin himself was kind of a member of the writing staff. And for the first couple of seasons, uh, you know, he had writing credits on specific episodes. Um, but as they got away from the books and as George wanted to get Winds of Winter out, he kind of stepped back a little bit. And I also think that, you know, it's not just uh, they got away from the books. It was, uh, you know, at at the beginning, the author was really clearly, you know, affiliated with this project and he was pretty hands-on with it. Um, And at this point, you know, you can kind of tell that he sort of wasn't. Uh, There's also just been some reporting that come out that is just like, oh, so damning, right? Like, you know, like, for instance, with season seven, I was willing to give a lot of, 
sort of leeway to the show because of how massive it had gotten, right? right? And I like and I understand that if you're, you know, if you're an HBO executive, right, and you have this giant sprawling show and you have to put big giant CGI dragons and now you're getting into all these battles with the dragons to pay off, you know, like you didn't have to worry about that stuff in season 1, you have to worry about it a lot now in the later seasons. And on top of that, right, like people like Amelia Clark and Lena Headey and, you know, Nikolai Kostar Waldo and, you know, Kit Harrington, these guys know that they are at the top of the biggest show on television so they have a lot of leverage to bleed you dry so like i was kind of like listen you know what i mean it doesn't just become the biggest show on television for nothing and that i like i could see it kind of collapse collapse under its own weight right like hbo is like listen it's gonna be millions of dollars an episode doing seven makes a lot more sense than 10. Um, but the reporting that has come out has since contradicted that HBO was willing to funnel as much time and money into this series as they wanted. Um, and Dan and Dave both said, no, they wanted the truncated back half, the, the truncated last two seasons. And we just kind of had to, we just kind of had to put up with it. I yeah, guess the, the theory is that they wanted to get onto star Wars, which they have been granted a trilogy, uh, four. Um, yeah. So, you know, Disney ruins everything again, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, you know, like, and, and part of me doesn't want to open with this stuff because we don't like, you know, the, I think that this is all useful context, right? right. But, like, it, it is it is really tough to go right after the creators themselves in a kind of personal way. I really hate getting personal yeah. when we talk about this stuff. I want to talk about the work. I want to critique, you know, the media. But I feel like with Game of Thrones, you just kind of, like, cannot avoid it. It is baked into the dna of what has been happening for the last couple of um for the last couple of seasons i I think part of this too is um i didn't watch them but i know that you did and that a lot of people did and were very aggravated by them are these post episode um explainers by Mm -hmm. D that um had some stuff in them that people were like are you kidding me like the the the, the famous quote is uh you know you know uh I forget what the original context was, but X kind of forgot about why. Um, oh, yeah. Danny kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet, which literally doesn't make sense because in the episode, they are at a war council where Varys says Cersei has the Iron Fleet and he takes a token and puts it in Blackwater Bay, which is where Dragonstone is located. So it's like it's like they're not even paying attention to their own show, right? Um and that's just tough, you know, like, that's 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 a tough thing when you're this invested in a project, right? Like, I, part, of, part of my, like, the overall Game of Thrones experience, I think, for a lot of people, has been waiting two years between seasons, right? Like, waiting a year to find out that Sandor Clegane, no, longer than that, two years, to find out that Sandor Clegane had not died as the Hound and was still alive... Uh, as the you know like the gravedigger character that was like a huge reveal that's not something that's like quite caught in a way by like mm. truncated by like truncated viewing so there's a lot for people to get invested in you know kind of like year over year and the time and the theories and all this other kind of stuff so to have the kind of bottom fall out of all of that stuff is just oh woof yeah and you know in kind of a similar way people point out that like there are children named Khaleesi and Daenerys 
whose oh. parents like, were like seven years old now, whose parents are like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> what did I yeah, do? Yeah, okay. Let so okay, so obviously Daenerys is probably like the good place to start because she starts off, you know, she starts off the episode. Um Daenerys is absolutely devastated King's Landing. And uh, and she's just like a fucking crazy person now, I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then Jon Snow murders her in the throne room, and then Drogon melts the Iron Throne and carries her off. All right. Coochie. So, so I want to know first things first whether you subscribe to the Drogon understands metaphor theory or the theory that Drogon thinks that the chair murdered her because he he doesn't understand that what swords are. Um, to be honest, I kind of don't really subscribe to either of those no, theories. My personal interpretation of that moment was that Drogon understood that John was a, a friend. You know what I mean? Um, like obviously he had been around John a whole bunch. John rubbed his nose in season seven. Um, John understood that Drogon, or I'm sorry, uh, cause Drogon didn't witness it. Right. So John, so Drogon understood that John was a friend and was just kind of like, lashing out and the lashing out happened to be metaphorical um there is some textual evidence in like the books for instance a bunch of the maesters think that the dragons are actually like really really smart it gets mentioned Um, in the show that was actually my my initial thought too is that like oh really yeah like i mean not necessarily that like you know he was going for a metaphor but like you know that it, it it like especially the part where he like uh, where Drogon cradles basically Daenerys' body. Like, that was, like, a, a real, like, kind of intelligence thing to me. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and, you know I, I think, like, some of these moments were well done. Like, I thought Drogon flying off with Daenerys' body was really well done. That should have been... I, I've elucidated this other places, but I think that should have been the end of the of, of that episode, right? And then mm-hmm. we get, like, another episode or two of Denouement because it was just so powerful oh, really? and so well done. And there was the fade See, to black there, too. I was like, I was like, did the episode end? And then I looked at it, and there's still, like, you know, like, half the episode left. And I was like, this, I, I thought that that was, that was the natural end point for that episode. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, my, my overall impression is that Danny got done really dirty. I don't think, I mean, part of this is that I am a Danny fan, right? Um, and there are a lot of, you know, Danny fanboys who are being like the Danny stands are simultaneously like kind of out in force and also getting piled on, um, which, you know, it, you know, like it's a whole thing. Um, I think that this is an appropriate end in the broad strokes, but the specifics of it are just like absolutely heart wrenchingly brutal to anyone that, you know, went through seven seasons of Daenerys, like, yeah, I'm on board with this woman and then kind of got season eight. Like Daenerys is treated as literally like the, the, this is the part that kills me. The text literally positions Daenerys as worse than Tywin and Cersei combined. Like Tyrion, who is kind of the ultimate winner of the game of Thrones. And we'll get into that. Right. But like Tyrion says that to John, he says, you know, if you count up Daenerys's body count, and compare it to my father, who was undoubtedly an evil man, and Cersei, who was undoubtedly an evil woman. They pale in comparison. And so the idea that, like, the show isn't saying, oh, Daenerys is Icarus. You know, she flew a little too close to the sun. 
right? Or she's like, or like Stannis or like Ned, right? Any of these tragic heroes who have these flaws that kind of ultimately lead to their undoing. It's like, no, Danny is blackheartedly evil. Like, oh, what a, what, like, what an awful thing to do to that character. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, so I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I think I'm going to – this is the thing I think I'm going to keep coming back to. Um, I think that was the right place to go with the character, but the pacing was bad. And I think that lots of the issues you can have with the characters in this final season can be said the pacing was bad, the pacing was bad, the pacing was bad. Um, and I think a lot of characters were done dirty by this. Um, no, so I, so I definitely agree with that, but you think that it was appropriate that Danny was regarded as an absolute monster with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. So, hmm. so I think that what that you wanted to be built there, and she becomes like kind of like the tragic villain, right? Like, uh, like the 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 thing that keeps popping into my head is like like a you know like a Stalin or something, right? Like somebody who starts out with like aspirations of the uh, you know for the people, but eventually just turns into a monster. But I don't think you wanted to do that oh. over the course of five ep- five or six episodes. Uh, I, I feel think like Stalin is the wrong answer for that, but I, I guess I th- I guess I understand sort of what, where you're coming from in a way. Um, I think that's a difference. I think Danny wants to end as a sort of tragic hero more than a tragic villain, and I was really hoping to get like some just some silver lining, right? Like I basically sure. laid out a couple of different things that I felt like the show should have done to kind of just give Danny a little bit of credit, right? Because it just seems ludicrous to me that people like John and people like Tyrion would look at Danny so with so much contempt, right? Um I mean John to his credit says you know, like, it doesn't feel like the right thing to do or whatever. But then Tyrion is like, oh, no, it was absolutely the right thing to do, dude. I was completely blinded by how much I wanted to fuck her to realize, you know, like, how awful she was. Which, again, I also think is, like, a terrible, just absolutely awful way to kind of, like, you know, kind of position the character. But I think that there are things that they could have inserted, right? Like, some kind of notice that Slaver's Bay is doing well. Right, that slave that she came to Slaver's Bay, she conquered Marine Astapor and Yunkai, and legitimately changed these people's lives for the better. Right, or something along the lines of like, you know, Danny getting a little bit of credit for the ultimate breaking of the wheel that Tyrion says has happened, but that like, you know, Danny did give us the the better world. She just couldn't live in it. You know what I mean? Like she she was the last tyrant that had to die for us to get here. You know, like, any of those kinds of things, I feel like I would have been uh, much happier with. There is a version where we don't get the same seven seasons of build-up, and she is more kind of uncomplicatedly evil, if that makes sense. Um, I, I think there's also where, a version where, where, where like, you're, you're right, but, like, the things that Tyrion said are painted that way with the camera work, right? Like, if we start, if, you know, if... The show doesn't show her things that are that that were kind of atrocities in the previous season. Like paints them as a little bit more as atrocities and less like her ultimately being right, right? Like they do a little bit of it, but like you know, like you can have like say the burning of the calls, right? And like have them you know like focus on them screaming and maybe show Daenerys smiling at them or something, and you start to yeah, paint yeah, her yeah, in yeah, that yeah. way. Definitely, because it's also part of why I feel like you know, I mean. 
somebody described this idea that like at the end of the Battle of Winterfell, they like subbed out Daenerys with a faceless man. You know what I mean? Because she was such a completely different character. And I do like. I think there's a nugget of truth in that, in the sense that like it does feel entirely out of character. Like it is. This this is the point I made in the podcast last week. It is entirely out of character for Danny to wantonly, you know, like murder innocent people, right? Because one of the foundational aspects of her character that has been fundamental from the beginning is this like compassion that she has for common people. That's the whole point behind, you know, like Slaver's Bay and everything like that. And so like part of it is like a redesign of the end, but also part of it is a redesign of like the battle itself and giving Danny a better reason for, you know, killing for for raising the city than she had, which was there was no reason. She just did it because she's crazy, like, apparently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, like 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 I said, I think there are, ways, there are other ways you could have done that, too, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think that there's, if you want to do the mental gymnastics, there's, like, a, a version of this where Danny didn't really care that much about the common people. She cared about their adoration, which the ones in Slaver's Bay were willing to give to her, but the citizens of King Landing were not willing to give to her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the show doesn't really paint it that way. Um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, like the things that Tyrion says to kind of justify what Daenerys has become ring true, but only in a factual way, right? Like the, 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 the cinematography and, uh, storytelling, I guess is the best way to put it of the show has not painted her that way, even though you might have a fridge moment at some point and be like, hey. No, I, yeah, I definitely think that that's true. Like, so for instance, something that I called out in a, in a previous episode, the moment in the crypts when, when Tyrion and Sansa are talking to one another and Sansa's like, you have these divided loyalties, you know, like you could never, like you could never, we could never be together because of it. Um, and, and she says like, that's the problem. And then Missandei goes, no, without the Dragon Queen, there would be no problem at all. I feel like that is also a piece that's kind of just, like, missing in in the show. Season 8, the, season 7 was very good, and, and all prior seasons were very good about putting us in Danny's head, if that makes sense, right? Like, and we understand where she's coming from, and we see her point of view. Whereas I feel like in season 8, we only ever really saw Danny through other people's eyes, if that makes sense. We never got to kind of get back into her brain and figure out her thought processes in order to, in order to like really understand them in a way. Like, so, you know, like, so it, it helps create this picture of, well, Danny is a huge villain, but the truth of the matter is that she just didn't get time with the audience to continue the empathy that she had been given for seven seasons prior, if that makes sense. Like, it is ludicrous to me that Cersei Lannister gets a more, like, empathetic death than Danny does, where she's, like, you know, crying and pleading and all of this stuff, and it's framed as this, like, you know, this real, like, tragedy, where it's, like, Cersei is unquestionably, unquestionably 
the worst character, like the morally most vile character in this series, I feel like. And so the idea that she is treated with more kind of like emotional respect than Daenerys was, that like, I, I feel like all of these things kind of like interlock together into my like Danny got done dirty point. So I, I don't know if I agree with you that Cersei gets a bet, like gets a more emotionally respectful ending than Daenerys. Like, I think the moment where, where John you know, says you're my queen for, you know, my, you're my queen forever and always or whatever. And then stabs. her. I think that that's pretty emotionally resonant. Um, so, and so I, I don't know if I completely agree with you or just kind of on, on some of the facts there, but I, I definitely see your point. And, and I will say that something that, that, you know, thinking about it is I have been vocal in kind of my viewing of the series has been discussing with you that I wasn't a big fan of Daenerys, Mm-hmm. But I will say that, like, as this was happening, I assumed that she was going to get a happy ending because the show was painting. Like, I was having these fridge moments where I was like, she's just a brute that everybody loves. And, you know, she gets a pass because she's, you know, quote unquote, doing the right thing. And I thought the show was going to give her a happy ending because I thought that that's like that's like they didn't ever indicate anything to the contrary that she was right. that she was bad, even though I personally thought that her actions were bad. Right. Like this was this is essentially mm-hmm. like a. The, the inverse of a Thanos did nothing wrong type take, right? Like, right, right, you know, right. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, satisfied with where they... I don't want to say I'm satisfied with where they went with the character because, again, I thought it was... Way, I thought the the large kind of plot points were what I wanted out of Danny, but, sure. they, but they weren't, they weren't, you know, they, they weren't... Uh, story told, right? I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. So, so I want to come back to this thing in the throne room because I the reason that I feel like it was different with Danny is I felt like that throne room scene wasn't about Danny at all. It was all about John. That's like fair. Uh, something that I, that I have talked about a little bit off the cast is this turning of Danny into a plot object, right? This object of the plot that kind of just does things so that the other characters can react to it this was kind of like most like loathsomely put in the in the episode prior like the idea that the 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 devastation that danny causes is not motivated by herself he's not motivated by her kind of psyche right she is just a plot robot fulfilling a plot task so that the violence that is inflicted upon her in the next episode is like therefore justified and that violence is not depicted from danny's point of view i don't think i think it is depicted from john's because we have john you're like we have john's view into all of this we don't have danny's um and because and, and that like that's kind of what what i'm what i'm really like getting at when i talk about you know the difference between her death and cersei's death right like that was Jamie's moment as well, and I mean, I also think that they just mangled the shit out of his character too, but I think really that moment was about Cersei. It was just about, like, this little twinge, this tiny final twinge of this incredibly loathsome, contemptuous woman where we were just like, man, that that fucking sucks. You know what I mean? Like, And so that like that's the contrast in my head kind of um to to these two things but we've talked a lot about john or so we've talked a lot about danny but we should probably hit on some of these other characters john being a pretty good example of them how do you feel about all of you know like all of this stuff in the final episode when it came to john john um uh I, so john john's tough right because like i think 
John had some good emotions around him. I think so. So I guess what what do you think? What, so what do you think John's ultimate fate is? Because I have been of the impression and the understanding, and my is that he has rejected his his demand to go to the Night's Watch, and he's he's going beyond the the wall to be a wildling. I don't mm-hmm. you know think he's necessarily going to be the next Mance, right? Like I could see that being a plot line for a theoretical sequel. But, like, mm-hmm. that is not the explicit po- – like, he is not going out there to be the next man. He is just going to be a wildling. Um, whereas yeah, yeah. other people say that he is going to be the uh, – that he's too duty-bound, he's too honor-bound to be – and so he's – with the nice watch, he's just helping them settle. But to me, at least, it is much better if he is – he has – like, killing Danny has so broken him – that he is no longer that person and he is willing to forsake his duty to just go be a wildling beyond the wall. Yeah, um, that, that is exactly what – well, that's not quite exactly what I think happened um, in a sense. But uh, I definitely think that he went to become to go be a wildling. And I also think that the Night's Watch kind of – like pushed him in a way like that thing where he looks back to the gate and then watches the gate close to me i read that as john expected the gate to be open and he was going to go back through but then like his brothers in the night night's watch were like no go be free kind of thing do you know what i mean so it's a little bit of like uh you know uh uh what's the called it's it's a little bit of a call to the wild moment where it's kind of like you know don't you know live out a prison sentence for doing the right thing in the night's watch go be free among the free folk kind of thing um i also think that there's (coughs) there's a certain amount of like you know john is obviously very very connected to the night's watch he's always loyal to the, the night's watch and everything but he does spend a large amount of time with the wildlings and is very connected to the wildlings which is something that people kind of like misunderstand john very very clearly truly loves like egret right yeah um and he truly empathizes with the wildlings you know like with the wildlings plight so um i think it, it makes a lot of sense that like he would end up with you know, he would kind of, like, break his vow or whatever and end up with the Wildlings over the Night's Watch because, you know, if you really look at it, like, the Night's Watch were not really all that great to, to John. Yeah. No, especially, especially you know, they killed him, right? Like, yeah. I, I thought it was going to be a much more explicit when he when he got rezzed. I thought it was going to be much more explicit, like, you know... Um, you know, my duty is until death and I'm, I'm, I've died. Um, yeah, I, that is something that remains a, like a foggy mystery to me as far as this show goes. Like, I cannot believe that they did not spend more time on the fact that John literally died and got resurrected. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, they, they I, drop I a, a feeling... lot of these threads, especially the more mystical ones, right? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, I uh, don't know. Like what happened to the warlocks, right? They tried to assassinate Danny. With the kid, <laughs> and then we never heard from them again. Yeah, um, yeah. In the books, you know, Karth comes back into you know into things with Marine, um, and it's like part of the politics of Marine. But that doesn't really. Yeah, that is a very weird thing. I, I absolutely kind of agree with you uh, when it comes to the weirdness around certain kind of like dropped plot threads that kind of just sort of like go nowhere. Um, the that actually kind of leads me to the next character that I wanted to talk about a little bit, which was Arya, because what the fuck was the end of episode five 
With the if horse? all Arya does is have like a five second conversation with John in the midst of all of these other conversations he's having with all of these yeah. other people. And and then she just like pieces out from Westeros forever. <laughs> like, did they like? Let me put it this way: Did they really end season five, the penultimate episode of their series, on a red herring fake out? Yes or no? <laughs> like, I mean, I think the answer has to be yes. Right? <laughs> right? What the fuck? <laughs> oh god! Like that's probably the, the like. What was what was the horse? What was she doing? Why like you know she never uses her faceless man stuff ever again, right? Like yeah, yeah, right. What what is that? I actually expect. I have to say, I really expected Arya's finale to be like a like a downer a little bit. You know what I mean? Like we talk about the bittersweet ending, and obviously like Danny gets a downer ending. A couple of characters kind of get like downer endings or whatever. But for the most part, a lot of people get like really uplifting ones, right? Even people. You know, like, Jamie, who ultimately kind of relapses to Cersei and everything like that. You know, he gets his awesome page in the fucking, like, white book. Um, and I was expecting some of that stuff to be offset by two things. The first thing I was expecting was Tyrion to die because he could not honor his promise to Br- to Bronn. And he just finally couldn't repay his debts and he gets fucking, like, killed. Um, and then the second thing that I thought was going to happen was Arya was going to be killed by a faceless man. That's kind of like the long, you know what I mean? Like the long awaited kind of come up. It's from like abandoning their, you know, like their whole thing. Um, but that did not happen. Basically, everybody got a pretty happy ending except for Danny, it felt like, in, in season eight, episode six. Yeah. And honestly, the, I, I, I still can't, I, I was so certain she was going to get a happy ever afterlife with, with uh, Drogo. Um, and it didn't happen. I was I was so surprised because that was another thread that they dropped. Right, like they had her see him in yeah. like wherever that was, like some wizard's house in somewhere. Uh, um, yeah, the house of the undying in, at yeah. the end of season two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, like I, yeah, I mean, I I would argue that she deserves that. You know, like I would argue that she yeah. deserves that happy ending because, like, even though she was awful at the end or whatever, there's a lot of real good that Danny brought to the world, right? She basically single handedly made the difference when it came to the you know like the Battle of Winterfell, and as as Missandei says, without her, there would be no problem at all, kind of thing. Though that is a contested point. Some people are like, well. Fucking Arya would have just done it anyway, which is kind of whatever. Um, but uh, but I think if more people had gotten downer endings, I would be a little bit more content with Danny's downer ending. Like if Tyrion had been killed by Bronn, if Arya had been killed by you know like the faceless men. But John gets a happy ending. Sansa gets a happy ending. Bran gets a happy. You know what I mean? Like I don't think John gets a happy ending. I don't think that's don't think fair. So? No, okay, I think that's that... fair. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's actually fair. I'll agree with you. I think John gets he he gets the most mixed bag, if that you know like he is. I I do agree with your point that he is kind of like legitimately emotionally hollowed out by the whole experience. Yeah, um, kind of along these kind of happy ending things. Something I want to talk about is is are, are the jokes because I hated them, and not because they were bad jokes because right. they were good jokes. Like they were they were funny jokes, but they had no place in this episode at all. Especially just like kind of how they were placed, and I hated I hated them so much. Like, yep. 
you know, I'm normally not on your whole like Bathos is terrible train, but like this just I, I couldn't I couldn't get like I don't even think yeah, this wasn't even Bathos, right? It right. was just so off time you know, like oddly timed, I felt like. Fucking um, fucking like both jokes at the council, uh Tyrion arranging the chairs. Uh, like yeah, like exactly. In the small like, council, those, like right? I don't think that those jokes are bathos. I think the purpose of those jokes is to kind of be like, "Oh, it's back to business as usual." Right, Tyrion right. is jokey, jokey, and Bronn is jokey, jokey, or whatever. It, but I just like, you know, it just felt so crazy. In you know, like in comparison to the the, the devastation that was in it's not even just the previous episode but in like the previous 10 fucking minutes do you know what i mean yeah especially like, the small uh, council stuff cuz that's right after danny danny dies right like yeah yeah um and like i almost would have been happier if they had gone with the with like the democracy like like actually embrace democracy because then it would have been just mm-hmm. so bad that i could have just laughed at it like yeah we were at, like it was it was going i'm like is it really going to be this cheesy and then it was like in service of a bad joke and i was it was just like what like why why did we do this like why was this part of the the the, the discussion like yeah, I really I don't understand how they made that decision in the in like the, the writers' room. Like, who was there that pitched that, and 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 like everyone signed off on it? Do you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Because to be honest with you, even the democracy ending, like the democracy ending, at least would have like made more sense than the ending that we got because you could at least kind of end on all monarchs are despots, right? And awful and terrible. And, like, the only answer is to abolish monarchy and embrace, you know, like, representation of some variety, right? Whether or not you want to call that democracy or whatever, or, like, (coughs) or what have you, constitutional monarchy, whatever, you know, like, whatever form it kind of takes. Just the idea that, like, you know, having this absolute power concentrated in the monarch in the hand of the king, XYZ, these things are bad. Um, But they didn't end there? They kind of, like, half did it because I guess they're not going to have hereditary monarchy anymore. They're just going to once-in-a-lifetime oligarchically elect a despot. I'm just so confused. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like this has to bring us to to the, the big steaming pile of shit in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, which, absolutely. Which Fuck. is uh, King, King Brandon Stark. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, here's my here's my core thing about Brandon Stark. This one's easy, so I'll get it out of the way. The core thing about King Bran that is stupid is that it completely defies sort of the logic of the series, if that makes sense. Um, the logic of the series is that when a succession crisis happens, people will, you know, like, inevitably devolve into infighting warfare and intrigue in order to gain power for themselves right like this is the premise of the show robert dies and then we have a succession of instability right and so the idea is that okay we end on daenerys solidly assuming control of the Iron Throne, but then she dies, which throws us back into a succession crisis, and it just gets resolved by a bunch of people who have never met Bran before in their fucking lives saying, I. 
what? Yeah, and believing, like, you know, believing whatever the three-eyed raven is and doing it. Uh, it's not even on, like, good logic, right? Like, mm-hmm. if there was some, like, you know, some appeal to, I don't know, like, he's he's nom- he's like a true-born Stark or something. He's nominally got some experience or, like, you know... Even if it's unbelievable, you say, well, he's got the experience of every ruler because he can see them all, right? And like, you just – you hand wave that away even though that's its own problem. That that at least, like, makes a little bit of sense to me. But, you know, who has a better story than Brandon Stark beyond being a fucking author wank, right? Like, just – it's like the most nonsensical thing because that's not even true. Like, yeah. half the other char- – like, almost every character in the story – almost every character in that circle – Maybe not every, but a lot of the characters in that circle have a better story than Brandon fucking Stark does. (laughs) Yep. Not to mention, by the way, that the person most closely associated with having a good story leading to solid leadership is Daenerys Targaryen. So, how good is that logic going to get you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, it is mind-blowing. That that is where that that is where they kind of like ended up, and you know, and this isn't to say that I don't think Bran would be a good king. I'm sure he'd be fine or whatever, and like, and I want the best for the realm or what. Fine, sure or whatever, but just like in terms, you no, know, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking challenge that because this this oh, is, you're really this is this is something that aggravates me because like you know everything that everybody throws out about why Bran would be a good king are reasons why Bran would be a great advisor to the king, right? Like. That's we cons- we consistently see that part of the secret sauce to making a good king is like some aspect of like you know b- compatibility with the people and charisma mm-hmm. and Bran yeah. explicitly has none of that right yeah Bran's the perfect archmaster maybe right maybe the perfect master of whispers or whatever he is not a good king not by any stretch of the imagination and it just aggravates me that like this is. This this is the way they they went with it, um, and you know, I yeah. think I think I think that I I can see a world where again pacing right like if they had built this the right way it might have made sense but like it just also goes against everything that like Bran even says that he's about like I'm not Bran yeah. Stark anymore I can't be the Lord of Winterfell I'm the Three Eyed Raven apparently doesn't disqualify you from being the king right like and it's 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 just. I, I couldn't I, I hadn't been following any of the leaks so I wasn't prepared for any of this yeah me um, I, so like when it happened I was just like are you, are you are you fucking kidding me like yeah so what I thought was going to happen was Tyrion was going to pitch a couple and we were going to end up on you know one of the one of the kind of generally acceptable like he was going to go who has a better story than Bran the Broken but yada 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 but then there's also Arya the assassin, yada, yada, yada. And then there's Sansa, the fucking whatever, yada, yada, yada. And then, like, it would kind of, like, it's like a multiple choice question a little bit. And they would actually do a little, like, deliberation. But instead, Tyrion walks up, pitches Bran, everyone says yes, meeting over. Right? Like, not not only that, but, like, he walks (laughs) up, starts to talk, and Grey Room tells him to shut up, and he says... Okay, but and then pitches him anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> see, I actually think that the break between episode five and six should have happened essentially there, right? I think the dramatic question that we should have left the weekend with 
was Tyrion going, well, we're all the, the, the most powerful lords and ladies of Westeros. It is up to us to decide who is the next king. Ba-bomb credits, right? And then you'd come in next week, and next week would just be deliberations, where Sansa goes, I'm a really effective administrator. And Bran goes, I can fucking see weirwood trees. And Arya goes, I'm a f- assassin. And then somebody goes, well, Jon Snow would be a good king. And then Grey Worm goes, no, fuck Jon Snow. He killed Daenerys. You know what I mean? Like, we would yeah. actually have some back and forth with some of this stuff instead we just kind of get like a little bit of a hand wave that gray worm and the unsullied and assumedly the dothraki who just don't show up again i guess for the rest of this series god they really did the dothraki dirty too right uh that they had control of like john and enough like they had enough leverage over the realm that they could insist that john be punished and not end up on the throne and but and like be taken seriously are just like all of the pieces of this i feel were like completely botched and then the ending to this whole affair was that bran ends up on the throne and it makes god-awful zero sense this isn't even getting into the issue where sansa just looks over at bran and says hey i know you're my brother and i've been talking about how we starks need to stick together but i'm actually gonna go be the queen of the north like fuck you bran like, and then bran just accepts it and these other oh, like and these dorn other and uh and the iron islands who were who are like yeah who, who should have been at that point like we I would also like to be independent. Thank you. Like, just, we hear nothing from them. Like, mm-hmm. I might have been more okay with Bran being king if this was not, like, a happy thing that everybody thought was a good idea. If this was, like, a tense moment where, you know, no one can agree, but this is the best thing we're going to agree to because he's a weird autist in a chair that seems pretty smart. Right, like we'll deal with this for now, and this is the the, the tenuous piece that will hold the seven kingdoms together. Right, like mm-hmm. like that ending, I still wouldn't have thought was as good as anything else, but it would have been much better than what we got. Right, like like I could have bought that. Right, like or like you know, there's a, there's a thousand ways to make it even better than that. But like, even if you shift the motivation that much, right, like that it's that it's just kind of like the. Th- the thing of convenience rather than like the great idea that everybody signed on to enthusiastically. Like I don't, yeah. I, 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 I just can't, I, I can't, I can't I also think, even. <laughs> I also think that that plays into the kind of downer ending that I'm pitching for some of these other characters like Arya and like Tyrion, right? A, a world in which maybe your top liners are all dead or whatever. And you have to kind of like pick up the pieces and it's left to the Davoses and the Gendry's, you know what I mean? To, like, make their voices heard and kind of come to a compromise solution. I feel like that would make a lot more sense uh, than what we got. Which was essentially... I mean, this is the other part that... This is the other part that gets to me because... It's not just that Bran ends up on the throne, but that Tyrion is positioned as unequivocally kind of like the kingmaker in the scenario, right? Tyrion pitches Bran on, like the most weak sauce speech about fucking narrative ever. Like, seriously, like, my middle school English teacher gave me this speech about why it was important to read Catcher in the Rye, right? And then everyone agrees to it and says yes, and then Bran says, ah, well, you're actually gonna do the ruling for me, Tyrion, instead of, like, you know, pay for any of the mistakes that you made. Somehow, paying for the mistakes is just by 
being in the same position but even more powerful and with even more influence it just boggles my mind and i think part of that is unfair because i definitely do subscribe to the series where like you know Tyrion got brain neutered in order to you know satisfy the whims of the plot in the latter half of you know the the show and that's that's true right but it also those things definitionally fundamentally happened Tyrion enabled the woman who burned King's Landing to the ground and turned a million people into ashes he was her hand right how on earth does he get away scot-free not even scot-free but he gets like a good ending right yeah you know and and like i can see like i can see the the, you know keep doing this you could see like the better version of this where like Tyrion's bound to become the Varys because Mm -hmm. Varys is dead right like the the quintessential servant of the realm that must you know that that works for the better of the realm as penance for his crimes essentially but it's it's oh yeah like it, it just it, it doesn't feel like that. And then we get like four minutes of him rearranging chairs in, in another bag. Yeah, and, and this is like this is another piece of it because this is part of his speech to John, right? Like, I mean, how many daggers can my Danny Loving Heart take from Tyrion in that one fucking scene? Something he says to John is, I tried to control her, but I couldn't. But if you actually look at the series, right? Like you look at what happened and their interactions. Danny has not done much else besides follow his advice. The thing that he is best at, right, as hand of the queen, is convincing Danny to go with his plans. Plans that inevitably are pretty awful. Outside of allying with John, which I do think is a real achievement and he doesn't really get credit for it, but like outside of, you know, creating the alliance between Danny and John that would eventually save the realm from the Night King and everything like that. Tyrion whiffs with Dorn and with the Reach. Tyrion is the one who thinks that Danny should negotiate with Cersei multiple times, end over end. He continually appeals to this idea that Cersei loves her kids and therefore she will be a good woman, and she continually lets him down, but he continue like, they just keep repeating this cycle. And she follows his advice through this, and then his final denouement with John about Daenerys is, I never really could control her. She was too wild and crazy for me. It's like, no! The only time she didn't listen to your advice was once, at the very end. Like, I, this, that's, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that that's the world that we live in. So, 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 you know, if I, if I'm going to, to play devil's advocate, it's a little bit more than that. He also asks her to not burn the Tarleys and, and she does. Like, there are moments earlier in the series. Sure. Yeah. No, a little, that, where, that is fair. Where, where he, like, advises, uh, advises moderation and, you know, you get these little flecks of, like, her being, a little bit crazy, but you know, you're, you're mostly right. Right. Like that he does for the most part, have her ear and, you know, does his job. All right. And honestly, what I would have liked to have seen out of him in the series was like him. Could you like before this, the, you know, the finale, like is him make a bunch of decisions and some of them turn out, you know, some of them turn out well, but every time it's something to do with Cersei, it fails. Cause like, that's his fatal. Like, I think this is what it's supposed yeah. to be, right? Like his fatal flaw is his softness, for his family, even even with Cersei, who hates him Im- immeasurably, right? Like, I think this is a lot more convincing with his softness for Jamie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
and like that to be his kind of like ultimate uh ultimate Achilles heel is he can't he's he can't he he can't fully sell out his family. Um Yeah, and, and even that I felt like was not appropriately paid off. Oh yeah. In a way. Uh like he finds I mean, he just miraculously finds their bodies or whatever, even though it's just like doesn't make any sense, but fine, whatever. He finds their bodies and he kinda like cries for a second. But there's like and I can't tell if this is like good show don't tell or like no, please tell, like, this is not good enough. Because Tyrion directly led to the death of his brother, right? If Tyrion does not free his brother from the Unsullied, his brother is alive right now. But instead, he sent his brother into King's Landing, and Jaime died, right? That, I felt, I was like, I that was something I was expecting to pay off big, right? Like, when I was still expecting Braun to eventually double-cross Tyrion and, like, the ending for Tyrion is he was going to die, I was like, oh, this is going to be a piece of it, right? Braun is going to show up with the crossbow and Tyrion's going to be like, I fucking deserve this. If it wasn't for me, Jaime would still be alive. I got my brother killed. I got my sister killed. I got all of these people in King's Landing killed. And now I deserve to die. And Brian's like, yep. And then that's, like, the end of it or whatever. This is his, like, tragic thing. Uh, but they but they never touch on it at all, right? And it's just like, did Tyrion just get over it, I guess? He just got over the fact that he caused, like, the only person in his life that he really, truly loves, right, anymore. He just gets over that person's death? Okay, sure, fine. Even though he's the one that directly caused that death? All right, you know, all right, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know if that's that that seems rough to me. That seems a little nitpicky, but <sighs> I I, th- I think I think the problem this is this is again it's a pacing problem, right? Like I yeah. think that you know a better paced final X number of episodes of the show has time for him for that to breathe and for him to feel uh for him to feel like like shit and like for that mm. to like have real weight on him. Um but uh you know we get like 3 seconds of him smashing rocks and uh then we're on to the next scene. Um yeah. Uh, other big giant characters we haven't really talked about that much. I feel like she gets probably the happiest ending, though I still find it baffling for the, some of the reasons we've already talked about, is Sansa, right? She ends up Queen of the North, okay. Uh, the, first of all, I think that's stupid, because if she declares independence, why doesn't why don't all these other people? Um, but the other thing that I, th- I found very weird was that the reasoning that she gave was, like, the Southern Wars. But the Southern Wars were... All the North doing that to itself, essentially, right? Rob led the Northmen south and got killed at the Red Wedding. John led the Northmen south and got and, and got they successfully sacked King's Landing. I guess I don't know. Like they did, did did is that bad for the North? And so she declares independence, which is her stated goal this entire time. So that makes sense. But I just don't feel like. That doesn't make I, – I guess it is nice that she got the ending that she wanted, but it just didn't seem to kind of, like, make sense in the overall positioning of the show itself. So I, I think that this is – I think of all the endings that her ending is probably the best. I think that if you – the primary problems with Sansa's ending aren't necessarily problems with her ending stuff, although you have identified a couple of problems. I think it's with – the other things surrounding it. And if you mm-hmm. fix those problems, like, you know, if instead of it's just Sansa declaring independence, right? Like the whole kingdom fractures into a more federated thing. And the King's like whole, you know, is like a figurehead or something. 
or you know or or something like that right like then Sansa being the queen makes a lot more sense right mm-hmm. and I think taken in isolation Sansa being queen of the north is probably the best justified ending of any of 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 any of the endings um it's just that the mechanisms to which she gets there just doesn't doesn't like fit in like the North's independence doesn't make sense in the context of the rest of the decisions. Mm. But I think that her ending, like, that that whole kind of narrative drive makes sense if somehow you... you div- I'm, I'm probably not explaining this well, but if somehow you divorce it out, I think it's so. so it's Yeah, right. someone, someone basically said, uh, like, on the subreddit, they were kind of like, the ending makes sense because it fulfills sort of like the final wish of the Starks, right? After Ned Stark is killed in King's Landing, Rob declares independence. And so she is doing right by her family of, you know, Rob and later John by kind of like fulfilling their legacy of, uh, you know, this, this independence that they have declared for themselves ever since the death of Ned. That is the most convincing argument I've seen in like, in why Sansa is doing what she's doing. But again, it isn't made in inside of the context of the episode. So there's a, there's, there's a couple of pieces of that uh, where we sort of have to make arguments extra textually in order to make it work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I guess I guess this is it. This is the end of this is the end of Game of Thrones. This is the part that kills the worst. Is that it's like it's over. This is maybe the feeling I was holding on to most often, which was just this like unearned optimism of the show, where I was like, "Hey, listen, they got they got time to turn it around. So what? Dorne was a little bit of sh- was a little bit shaky. Hard home was a fucking bop." Let's see what they do next episode. You know, like next season or whatever. All oh, like, you know, this stuff with Danny and John in season six is great. Who cares if, you know, there's like fast traveling and the Battle of the Bastards is kind of the same battle we've seen three times already. And then, you know, oh, season seven was filled with Tyrion making dumb decisions for no reason and bad plan just makes absolutely no sense. But wasn't it just so great to see like Fellowship of the White? Like, come, come on, they'll, they'll, they'll bring it in in the end. And then they just... I they didn't they didn't bring it in in the end. So uh, I'm going to ask you the question that I've asked you I think at least four times before on this podcast. Do you think we get a Game of Thrones Brotherhood at some point? <laughs> I mean, is the books the Game of Thrones Brotherhood at this point? Well, it, it would um, be that the books would finish and then <coughs> then you would go remake the later seasons of the show or like here's the entire my, here's show my right take. again i think with yes falling closer to the books and i think um, it will absolutely happen 30 or 40 years from now it'll okay. be like remakes of other you know like remakes of other stuff and i bet it will be worse you know in a lot of ways cuz as most of these kind of like the lethal weapon tv show is like not great or like when they bring Columbo back for the 80th time or Knight Rider back from the 80th time it'll be like not great. I do think Game of Thrones has kind of like become a Star Wars Indiana Jones Battlestar Galactica, right? Like I mean, hey Battlestar Galactica, that's a great example of one where they where they nailed it, right? They brought Battlestar Galactica back and it was great. And so, you know, yeah, maybe we get a Battlestar Galactica TV show I'm sorry, a Game of Thrones TV show that does it right. 
and is more uh, sort of like dedicated to itself sort of like 30 years from now when we're 50, right? And we're and we're talking to our kids about like seeing Battlestar or I'm seeing fuck, seeing Game of Thrones when it aired on our television set because now we watch everything in like VR headsets that are like screwed into our brains. Yeah, and Kid Harrington's sc- Ned Stark in this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, 100 percent something like that absolutely happens. Like, you know. Um, so yeah. So you th- you think there's any chance at all that like you know. Let, let's say, let's say, just for sake of argument, George R. R. Martin gets his shit together and he finishes Winds of Winter by next summer, and sure. then like within a couple of years, he gets the last book done. You think there's any chance we get like an alternate route last, say, four seasons or so? No way. Um, uh, with I, the same, I, no? I don't think okay. there's any way that that. I don't think there's any way that that happens. I don't think that there's any way that you. If, I mean, if I'm Kit Harrington, why on earth would I agree to that? Do you know what I mean? Like you're you're a bona fide movie star at this point. Yeah, you're fair going enough. out and making bona fide movies. You don't have to. I don't know. So's uh, what Sophie Turner is that the, the the Dark Phoenix lady? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, she's in she's in superhero movies now that are going to be awful. <laughs> I'm <Probably>. excited. <laughs> I'm actually a little bit excited too. These these trailers have kind of like hyped me up for how bad I think it's going to be. <laughs> well, you know, we'll. We'll have to see, I guess. But uh, I think that's about it. Unless you had any other thing you wanted to talk about. What, what would you? What would you? What are your thoughts on the overall season? Like, what was your favorite episode this season? Uh, the one that everybody agrees is best because it was written by somebody else. I think it was the second one. Okay. Um, see, that's interesting because I actually think my favorite episode might be the Battle of Winterfell. Which is, be part part of the Game of Thrones thing that I don't that is hard to parse in a way, as the quality of the writing has undoubtedly gotten worse, which is true, and it has, and we've talked about a lot of those kind of mistakes as they've come kind of come up. I actually think that the quality of the filmmaking has really gone through the roof, right? Like these guys are hiring the best dudes in their field and they're shooting, you know, like the best film, and so because the Battle of Winterfell was the least written if that makes sense um and the most filmed it is kind of like by default the best episode of the se- the season i though i do have to say I, I did like a night of the seven kingdoms um which is really funny because it's written by a guy that everybody fucking loathes uh have you have you heard like unbound unbent unbroken do you know that episode in season five uh which one is that it's the episode where Jamie and Bronn fight the Sand Snakes in Dorne. It is oh, widely yeah. regarded as the worst episode in Game of Thrones pre-season eight, right? And, like, you know, everybody hates Dorne, and they hate Dorne, and this episode is, like, the, the pinnacle of it. And it's written by a guy named Brian Cogman. And everybody wanted, you know, Brian Cogman to be fired, and they thought that he was, like, awful and garbage. And I thought it was incredibly hilarious and poetic that the best episode of season eight, in terms of its writing, was written by him. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like the ultimate revenge for my yeah. boy Brian, right? Like coming out of the, you know, like coming out of the woodwork. <sighs> this is exhausting to talk about. Yep, it's like, this just reminds me of the last Jedi episode. <laughs> yeah, did. yeah, that's that's fair. 
It does remind me a lot of The Last Jedi. Though, though see, I, I've actually seen other people make that kind of comparison. Um, but first of all, I haven't really seen too many people defending the season eight of Game of Thrones. Um, so, so I will say that our, our boy Vito, who is the guy who made one of those The Last Jedi like takedowns, mm-hmm. released a video yesterday that was like, is Game of Thrones season eight as bad as The Last Jedi? And his answer is no. So, wow. <laughs> this is the best yeah, so, defensive season eight I've seen. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, so I like, and I've seen a couple of takes kind of related to this, right? Like some people will say things like, see what they did to Danny's, like what they did to Luke Skywalker and stuff like that. And, you know, all of that stuff, you know, boy. Uh, my problem with that is that, like, even if you don't agree with this, there is, I think, a kind of a logical interpretation of The Last Jedi. This is this is my interpretation of The Last Jedi, right? Where you focus in on the Luke stuff and the Rey stuff, and you just kind of ignore Canto Bite. You just kind of, shoot. And you kind of, like, ignore Admiral Holdo. Ah, you know, it's whatever. That Luke stuff was so good. You know what I mean? Like, there's something really good to grab onto and really, like, touching and, like, meaningful. Um and you and I, and I can like and I can like point to that thing and latch onto it and just kind of forgive the rest of it. I feel like season eight of Game of Thrones doesn't have that, and it doesn't have that for that pacing reason, right? Basically, everybody gets fucking massacred. It feels like um, by this sort of relentless roller coaster speed, you know, takeoff of of the story of the show. So I don't, I just don't feel like there is anything to kind of like latch onto and be like, well, at least this this thing happened because kind of everybody was ruined in the end. Like nobody got away from the bad writing scot-free, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. And and I I will say that I I don't, I think that, uh, that the last Jedi is better than the end of the show. mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously I'm, you know, there's some, you know, I'm, I am not a last Jedi hater. You definitely are. And I'm just kind of like down on it. But I thought that this was was much worse, uh, like much much worse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you one hundred percent. It was much much worse. Have you have you like followed other TV shows all the way to their like series conclusions? Does it compare to like a lot of people are comparing this to Lost, which I never watched? So yeah, I have I haven't really watched a lot of uh, prestige TV, right? Like I like I guess mm-hmm. the closest I ever came was True Detective, and that was the anthology. Um, Oh, yeah, you, like, never saw, like, Breaking Bad? No. Oh, never man. saw The Wire, even though we were all supposed to since we were living there when that happened. Oh, my God, uh, yeah, right? God, everybody was talking about uh, The Wire back then. Never never saw The Sopranos, even though... It's in I, New Jersey. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's funny. Like, my parents watched The Sopranos because it takes place all in places that they grew up. Like, Oh, like, really? Yeah, like, um, I think a large portion of it takes place in Fairfield, which is, mm-hmm. like, where my, where my parents grew up, where both of my parents grew up in, like, where my grandparents lived, so you know, um, I never watched any of that either because I was busy yeah. Doing other I never things. watched The Sopranos. I did finish Mad Men, um, which actually had a. To be honest with you, I think Mad Men also suffered from like kind of final season. It sucked, uh, but the very ending of Mad Men is really great. So uh, it kind of makes up for it, you know. Like they really nail the 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 ending. Now I'm not really sure if other people agree with that. I kind of watched Mad Men in a bit of a vacuum. Yeah, um, I I watched uh, what was it? The uh, the the only finale I can really compare it to is uh, the Seinfeld finale. Uh, which oh, was which also, was the clip show, right? Yeah, which was yeah. bad. 
it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, do I think that Game of Thrones or Seinfeld had a worse finale? Is Seinfeld still your favorite TV show? I don't know. Um, it's definitely one that I really love, and one that I st- like. I don't. I don't subscribe to kind of like. I understand the Seinfeld syndrome thing, but I don't think that mm-hmm. it holds up as much. Maybe that's because I grew up in a t- you know like. We had enough of our lives where there weren't cell phones that, like, the oh, cell phones could have solved most of these problems. Things I think it still holds up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that I think that Seinfeld is has a better finale than Game of Thrones, if only because it wasn't a, it what didn't have enough continuity to ruin. Um, Fair enough. Wow, that's rough. Yeah. What about like uh, uh, like Futurama? Did you ever go deep on Futurama? Um, I watched all of it before it got like rebooted or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was so long ago that I don't remember enough of it to really make an argument either way. Fair enough. Well, we are we are done with Game of Thrones until the fucking like prequel series comes out, I guess. Which I, I actually guess. am legitimately kind of hyped for. I I do want to see what they do because I really like Westeros, like the the whole world and everything like that. Um, and there are some indications that like the prequel series will be something completely new, like even outside of the context of the books, um, like the George R. R. Martin books, which would be really interesting. I think there's a lot of cool stuff to get into with like the free cities and Essos and stuff like that. Yeah, no, the, um, the, the world of Westeros is definitely, or I don't know, does, does the whole world have a have a name? Uh, it actually does, but I can't remember what it's called. Regardless, I think I do think that it is in, in the grand tradition of fantasy of, of fantasy authors like this. I think um, George R. R. Martin has made a very interesting world that you can like hang a lot of other things off of in the same way that you can with Star mm-hmm. Wars or with, say, Lord of the Rings. So yeah, absolutely. I could definitely be into that. Okay, well, I guess we're done. I guess that's it. If you would like to tell us what you thought about the end of Game of Thrones, you can reach us at subdurbsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at subdurbsplaygames.com. Follow us at twitch.tv slash subdurbsplaygames. And I've forgotten about this for the past couple weeks, but we also have a Patreon now. If you'd like to give us money for whatever reason... Uh, you could throw us some money at Patreon slash subdurbsplaygames. It's it's in the description. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I think that's everything I had. But do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about before we ended this? Nope. I have I have hit on everything. We're good. All right. And in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs>